Why can't I leave? I have business here, I told her. She curled her lip and scoffed. She was right, of course. Waiting here was foolish. After so many years, so much planning and effort, I had failed. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger Traveling through this world alone Hi, this is Ivy Tara Blair, returning to you from a few weeks of COVID land. You can hear my voice is a little rough. It didn't get me too bad. I'm okay. But it just keeps coming back. Ah, It just won't quit. It is the virus that keeps on giving. But I'm so glad to be back in front of the microphone, and I'm trying not to overdo it by going, oh, I can record, I can record, I'll record all the things. So today I am recording as my reward for getting back in front of the microphone and not being terribly ill, Ancillary Justice, a small section thereof, by Anne Leckie, part of the Imperial Rods trilogy, which is hands down my favorite sci-fi trilogy or books of the past 15 years, easily, maybe longer. I hope that you enjoy this section as much as I do. I don't think it needs a lot of explanation. It's basically two character pieces, and uh, they, they explain each other. Their relationship is clear, even though the context is not. I will probably read more small sections from... Uh, the ancillary books, because there's so much richness here, and <laughs> there are so many sections that I can read that are uh, self-contained in the sense that you can just listen to them, not have to worry about the context, and or that are fabulously bizarre or funny and uh, and or heartbreaking. You know, I love a good heartbreak. So, enjoy. This Little Piece of Ancillary Justice by Anne Lecky. Another few days after that, when she thought I was asleep, she went to the outer door and stared out over the snow, and then put on her clothes and a coat and trudged to the outbuilding and then to the flyer. She tried to start it, but I had removed an essential part and kept it close. When she returned to the house, she had at least the presence of mind to close both doors before she tracked snow into the main room, where I sat on a bench holding Strigan's stringed instrument. She stared, unable to conceal her surprise, still shrugging slightly, uncomfortable in the heavy coat, itchy. I want to leave, she said, in a voice oddly half-cowed and half-arrogant, commanding Radchai. We'll leave when I'm ready, I said and fingered a few notes on the instrument. Her feelings were too raw for her to be able to conceal them just now, and her anger and despair showed plainly on her face. You are where you are, I said in an even tone, as a result of decisions you made yourself. Her spine straightened, her shoulders went back. You don't know anything about me or what decisions I have or haven't made. It was enough to make me angry again. I knew something about making decisions and not making them. Ah, I forget. Everything happens as Amat wills. Nothing is your fault. 
Her eyes went wide. She opened her mouth to speak, drew breath, but then blew it out, sharp and shaky. She turned her back, ostensibly to remove her outer coat and drop it on a nearby bench. You don't understand, she said, contemptuous, but her voice trembled with suppressed tears. You're not a Ratchai. Not civilized. Did you start taking Kef before or after you left the Raj? It shouldn't have been available in Rajai territory, but there was always some minor smuggling station authorities might turn a bly eye toward. She slumped down onto the bench beside where she'd sloppily left her coat. I want tea. There's no tea here. I set the instrument aside. There's milk. More specifically, there was fermented bov milk, which the people here thinned with water and drank warm. The smell, and taste, was reminiscent of sweaty boots, and too much of it would likely make Sivarden slightly sick. What sort of place doesn't have tea, she demanded, but leaned forward, elbows on her knees, and put her forehead on her wrists, her bare hands palm up, fingers outstretched. This sort of place, I answered. Why were you taking Kef? You wouldn't understand. Tears dropped into her lap. Try me. I picked up the instrument again, picked out a tune. After six seconds of silent weeping, Sivarden said, She said it would make everything clearer. The Kef would? No answer. What would be clearer? I know that song, she said, her face still resting on her wrists. I realized it was very likely the only way she would recognize me, and changed to a different tune. In one region of Valsky, singing was a refined pastime, local choral associations the center of social activity. That annexation had brought me a great deal of the sort of music I had liked best when I had been more than one voice. I chose one of those. Sivarden wouldn't know it. Valsky had been both before and after her time. She said, Sivarden said finally, lifting her face from her hands, that emotions clouded perception, that the clearest sight was pure reason and distorted by feeling. That's not true. I'd had a week with this instrument, and very little else to do. I managed two lines at once. It seemed true at first. It was wonderful at first. It all went away. But then it would wear off, and things would be the same, only worse. And then after a while, it was like not feeling felt bad. I don't know, I can't describe it, but if I took more, that went away and coming down got less and less endurable. I'd heard the story a few times in the past twenty years. Oh, I'm not grace, she moaned. I want to die. Why don't you? I changed to another song. My heart is a fish hiding in the water grass, in the green, in the green. She looked at me as though I were a rock that had just spoken. You lost your ship, I said. 
You were frozen for a thousand years. You wake up to find the rot has changed. No more invasions, a humiliating treating with the presker. Your house has lost financial and social status. No one knows you or remembers you or cares whether you live or die. It's not what you were used to, not what you were expecting out of your life, is it? It took three puzzled seconds for the fact to dawn. You know who I am. Of course I know who you are. You told me. I lied. She blinked, tearily, trying, I suppose, to remember if she had or not. But her memories were, of course, incomplete. Go to sleep, I said, and laid my fingers across the strings, silencing them. I want to leave, she protested, not moving, still slumped on the bench, elbows on her knees. Why can't I leave? I have business here, I told her. She curled her lip and scoffed. She was right, of course. Waiting here was foolish. After so many years, so much planning and effort, I had failed. Still, go back to bed. Bed was the pallet of cushions and blankets beside the bench where she sat. She looked at me, half-sneering still and contemptuous, and slid down to the floor and lay, pulled a blanket over herself. She wouldn't sleep at first, I was sure. She would be trying to think of some way to leave, to overpower me or convince me to do what she wanted. Any such planning would be useless until she knew what she wanted, of course, but I didn't say that. Within the hour, her muscles slackened and her breathing slowed. Had she still been my lieutenant, I would have known for certain she slept, known what stage of sleep she was in, known whether or not she dreamed. Now I could see only externals. Still wary, I sat on the floor, leaning my legs against another bench and pulled a blanket up over my legs. As I had done every time I'd slept here, I opened my inner coat and put my hand on my gun, leaned back, and closed my eyes. That was a section of Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie, one of my favorite trilogies of sci-fi in the last ah, 15 years, maybe. This trilogy just blew my mind. It actually was uh, an uncommon reading experience. The spouse reads to my youngest and I on a regular basis, but hasn't in a while. And he read the beginning of this first book and was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you guys have to hear this. And then read the entire trilogy to us, which took a couple weeks. And we were just riveted. The world building, the characters, and the voice, the voice of Justice of Torin is just, it's clear, it's unwavering, it's absolutely internally consistent, and it is heartbreaking. You know things she doesn't know about her. She knows things you don't know about how she came to be. And very gradually, those two concepts come together, and it's an awful thunderbolt when you realize, oh, 
this is why what I'm hearing is what she says she is. <laughs> I don't want to say more than that without doing any uh, spoilers. I loved this series. I cannot say enough good things about it. It it, it won every award it won with absolute justice. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, amazing. You should read it. And this is one of those series that I would have given my eye teeth for, a left arm, perhaps, to be able to narrate. And I hope that the narrator who did narrate the books did it fabulous justice, because they are amazing. This has been Ivy Tara Blair, reading from Ancillary Justice by Anne Lucky. And everyone... Please stay home, wear your masks, and take care of each other. Just